Hi, welcome back to Tab Youth's fourth episode, and it's about underwriting. I'm Katrina, and I'm joined with Danny and EJ. Danny, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Danny. I am the head of underwriting for Tab, and uh, I've been with Tab now coming up to two years. Hi, I'm EJ. I'm an underwriter at Tab. I've been with Tab now just under two months. Great. And uh, yeah, same format as last time. We've got the top five questions you guys have been asking. And we'll kick things off with question number one. What is the meaning of underwriting? Let's start with Danny. Uh, underwriting, I think, can mean many things across different sectors. But for Tab in Bridging, what it basically means is we are processing the loan applications. So what we'll do is we'll look at application forms. What's the story? How is the client going to repay our loan at the end of the term? Um, as well as obviously doing the due diligence on the property, getting evaluation. Um, yeah, it's basically everything that needs to be done to be checked to make sure that we're comfortable and that the, the loan is the right loan for us. And EJ, how do you and Danny kind of work together? Do you do one loan separately? Do you work together on one loan or is it, yeah, is it a teamwork, team job? Um, to be honest with you, I'd say it's a lot of teamwork. Um, as mentioned earlier, I've been at the company now just under two months. So it's pretty much been a both of us looking at things, um, me learning the way tab underwrite, uh, Danny obviously overlooking things just to make sure actually, yep, this is the way we look at it uh, because you, you get different forms of underwriting in different companies. Um, everyone's gonna have their specific way of doing things. So at this moment in time, we both look at things and to be fair, two eyes are better than um, one person just looking at it. And Do you mean four eyes? Four eyes, <laughs> sorry, four eyes, and we do that bit again. So no, no, no. yeah, two. Um, <laughs> four eyes are better than two, so um, we're covering all bases that way. So it's a team effort. Cool. And you kind of mentioned that there are different types of underwriting. What can can we kind of expand on that? You know, let's say so we're in the bridging market. Yeah. What? Who else underwrites? Well, I think I think it's quite a it's quite a widespread term. I think um, you've got mortgage underwriters, you've got bridging loan underwriters. There'll be people underwriting a credit card application. Mm -hmm. There'll also be insurance underwriters as well, that, uh, assessing the risk basically, which is the short version of what we're doing. Um, it's assessing the risk of a policy or a loan or a yeah. credit card, and yeah. whether that client's worthy and they're comfortable lending money or giving them an insurance policy. And it's always about lending. No, 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 insurance as well yeah, of course. covers it. Um, I, I believe there are probably other other terminologies in sectors that I'm not familiar with, so uh, I won't I won't <laughs> pretend to know. <laughs> no, that's cool. Thanks, guys. Um, yeah, should we go on to question number two, which is what is the role of an underwriter? So let's kind of think about your day to day job. What does it entail, and who does it involve? Who do you talk to? Yeah, let's start from the top, EJ. Well, yeah. Um, I think I'd liken it to the underwriter to being sort of the company's insurance policy. Um, it's really our job to make sure, right, we're looking at this application. Like Danny mentioned earlier, we're looking at the story. Does it make sense as you're digging into it, as you're looking at the threads of everything? Does this add up from the asset that we might be lending against to who the individual or the company is? and ultimately to the exit and if that's in line. Um, where I say we are the insurance policy is making sure one, we're lending to the right people and ultimately we're gonna get our money back. Um, so 
day to day, we're really looking at applications, dealing with various stakeholders, whether that be the broker or the client directly or solicitors, um, and just really reviewing whatever comes in to make sure we get the best possible outcome, not only for the company, but also for the client. Um, sometimes the right outcome is not to lend, to be perfectly honest with you. So it's just how you also relay that information to them as well. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I think ultimately what our job is, is to assess the risk. It's looking at, you know, the risk that the property can bring, yeah. the risk that the applicant can bring. It's, you know, the risk that the story itself has. It's what are they using the money for? How are they look likely to repay? They've got a short period of time with a bridging loan. So you need to make sure that your exit's going to materialize mm -hmm. um, so that everybody gets their money back and we have a successful loan. So it's, it's basically looking at the risk of the deal in all of its factors and forms, which with property, um, I'll tell you, there can be there can be several <laughs> things that uh, that come up along the way, um, and it can be quite complex. But yeah, it's it's basically making a risk assessment and judging whether that risk suits our appetite. Can you share what the most unusual things come up in your career of underwriting? Um, uh, <laughs> that's difficult. I mean, I've I've I've, I've underwrote different kinds of loans before. Um, I'd say some of the strangest ones were uh, a property which had been purchased by someone but never registered. So they'd bought a lease for a flat, a long-term leasehold, um, never registered it. And uh, they come to us and said, can you lend on my property, please? We're like, yeah, okay, fine. And uh, it turns out that it had never registered and they'd owned it for like 12 years, <laughs> never actually physically owning the title deeds, never paid their stamp duty on the purchase because it was never registered you know it was it was a bit of a mess and effectively what we were looking to lend on at the time was the, the piece of paper that was the lease you know there was no title deeds it wasn't registered at the land registry um so yeah that, that was quite an interesting one um but i'm sure there are many others but uh yeah that's that's one of the main ones that, that sticks out to me that we managed to 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 lend on that and you know get comfortable on yeah. something that was quite out there and quirky cool any for you, DJ, off the top um, of your head? No, not really. Actually, I did have um, a situation where... Um, <laughs> sorry, just thinking <laughs> about Just thinking about it is actually making me laugh. Um, this was a while back. Um, the asset we were lending on, it was the client's main residence and surveyor obviously went out to value it. And, uh, <laughs> sorry. We got a call from the surveyor saying, I'm sorry, I'm not, I can't value this asset. And we were like, why? He said, it's, a, it's an absolute tip. There's, there's just muck all over the property and I feel like throwing up. Oh <laughs> and needless to say, that was the end of that. We just couldn't get anyone to go into the property to oh, value that it. Bad? Um, yeah, apparently it was that bad. He managed to take one or two photos and there was like garbage bags all over the living room. Um, and yeah, we, we tried to get the clients to tidy up the property for the purpose of the valuation <laughs> and they never did. So that was the end of that, to be honest. <laughs> Fair enough. I, you know, I don't want to go anywhere near anywhere like that. So why should anyone else? Cool. Um, yeah, if we go on to question number three, which is what is the underwriting process? Where does it start? Where does it end? And, you know, detail. I like detail in this podcast okay I'll, I'll start with well um 
I suppose the process of a bridging loan starts with the sales team. They'll sell a loan and they'll put our forward our product to what they think we're going to be happy with. And then we receive an application form. Um, at that point, we're reviewing the application form. So this would be the first time the underwriters see the deal. So we'll be looking at it and we'll be assessing the uh, what's the property, what are they doing with the funds? How do they intend to repay? How long is the loan? Is the pricing right for our appetite? You know, we're looking at all different things. So um, it starts off with an application form. We review that and then we go into looking at the title deeds for the property. We'll research the client. If it's a, a company, if it's a, an individual, we'll do some background checking there, credit searching, just making sure that the client's got nothing stands out that's going to be untoward. Um, and then I suppose it moves on to instructing our professional team. So we've got the valuation. So we will look to get a valuer to go out there, assess the valuation of the property and tell us what it's going to be worth. Do you, do you always use the same valuer or is there kind of like a several who we might use for different properties? Or? Yeah, yeah, exactly that. I mean, there's uh, we, we have a quite a large panel of surveyors. They cover across the country. And, uh, you know, after you've used them and depending on who they are, you've got some of the larger firms that you're more familiar with um, that you would say, oh, if you had a development land plot with hundreds of units you would send a very large surveyor to go and do that you know they've got the most trusted in the market to be doing that sort of thing um and then we've got people that you know are quick and efficient when it comes to doing a very quick turnaround for a bridging loan and speed is of the essence we've got the faster surveyors that are quite familiar with the residential market in certain areas um and yeah it's 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 got to be a panel that can access and have knowledge across the country mm -hmm. as well um, but yeah, so we go from the valuation, we instruct our solicitors. So the solicitors are basically looking more into the title and the legal side of the property. Mm -hmm. So they'll do that on our behalf and they'll summarize it in a report to us. Um, so they get instructed and they liaise with the client solicitors to get all the information they now, need. Now, is that the report on title? <laughs> it is indeed, yeah. Yes. So, <laughs> so they Bingo. send a huge <laughs> long list of questions to the client solicitor. Um, asking them from everything to do with access, what planning permission, have they done any work to the property, you know, drainage, services, everything that you would expect a solicitor to be asking effectively if you were purchasing a, purchasing a new home. They will ask all the questions and then summarise the responses back to us, point out any particular risks we need to be made aware of. Um, and then once we've got that, we've got evaluation and providing that comes back at the right level. You know, we've, we've gathered that information. We've done our internal due diligence on the client, the story, the deal, and summarized and reviewed everything as well. So we've always got, got that second set of eyes. We're never taking the valuer's opinion as gospel. So we'll review that very carefully, look at the comparables provided. And then we also look back at the report on title, make sure there's nothing been missed that we are not aware of in there. Um, so everything gets reviewed by us. Um, and then overall, if we're happy, we then move on to, uh, to lend them the money. Great. That's basically no, the process yeah. in a nutshell. That's it. Anything yeah. to add? Sounds um, easy. No, no, that's it. That was, that, <laughs> Sounds that's, easy. That, <laughs> I wish it was that yeah, easy. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. Um, I mean, it, to, to be fair, it is fun. You kind of feel like a mini investigator, to be honest with you, when you're digging through everything. Um, what I would say is, in, in a certain way, an underwriter doesn't trust anyone. Um, and when I say that, it's not in a negative way. It's just in the sense we review every single thing that comes in. So whereas you've got a qualified surveyor, as Danny said, who go out and do evaluation, you know, when it comes in, we review that as well, um, just to make sure it all stacks up. We're comfortable with the detail. Our solicitor will send us information, the report and title, but we review that as well. We're making sure, and, and that that's where I kind of say, 
we don't not that we don't trust in a bad way but in a good way we're just cross-referencing making sure we are comfortable with every bit of information that comes in um it's to protect the client as well as it is to protect us um and the business in general but yeah it's fun it's fun yeah i believe that was a phone danny did you not get the memo of no phones before podcast i did now (laughs) (laughs) great uh yeah just to just to uh tap into what ej's just said there um we have had situations before you know where you you can become over-reliant on these professionals and the reason we check we have come across valuations which we've not agreed with you know these are the professionals and they're giving us their opinion and you know with the tools available to us especially now with the technology we've got you know we can get a pretty good view ourselves and if we don't think something's right we have challenged that and surveyors have come back to us and gone you know what actually i think you're right and reduced valuations because of it you know there is value in making sure that we you don't become complacent and that you are checking everything um even though these are the people we've hired as our professionals you know everything gets checked yeah Uh, well got to i suppose isn't it otherwise (laughs) it puts everyone else at risk (laughs) cool um thanks for that so if we go on to question number four I believe it's four. Um, I can't. Oh yes, <laughs> is underwriting the last step of the process? I suppose underwriting is the big step of the yeah. process. I believe you yeah. know. Um, underwriting is probably the largest part for this. This this use the 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 bridging loan application part. Um, the sales process generally is they get the summary so what's the property what's the loan for how are they going to repay um but the underwriting part is the is the longer part it's it's gathering all of that information valuers professionals solicitors you know and everything that we need from the client assessing all of it getting reports reading them reviewing everything it's 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 certainly the bigger part of it and uh you know it's rare that in sales you know you either get it's in criteria or it's out criteria you know when it gets to underwriting it's where we get down to the dotting the i's crossing the t's and get down to the the real nitty-gritty of it yeah yeah and then i suppose the only step i can think after is kind of funding and then transfer like getting the funds to borrower is that would you call that part of the underwriting underwriting process is that kind of in your control as well or is that operations um, yeah, I mean, obviously, we, we split it out into separate departments internally. So we have... Excuse me. I mean, and that's Nick of all people. Why is my phone not silencing? That's why Nick's not on this podcast today. Because he's decided to ruin it for everybody else. He's banned. He's banned from TV. There we go. Nick, when you're watching this... Naughty. Yes, Nicholas. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, where was I? Last um, step. Last step. Yes. Yeah, so funding is is kind of the the last step of the process. Um, internally, we've got obviously accounts teams and people that deal with the money. Um, so it's not physically me and EJ counting out pound <laughs> notes. Um, that's not quite how it works. So yeah, it's it's the last step. That is to do with raising funds. People are putting their their contribution, or if it's a, through a funding line. We gather the funds and then there is a final part of the process. The solicitors are obviously going to work out everything from this is the, the gross loan offer. We reduce it by interest retention, you know, set up costs and fees, administration costs. Everything then gets deducted and then the client has a net outcome at the end that then gets transferred to them. But, yeah, that's that's mostly dealt with via solicitors and our accounts team transferring the money between themselves. So kind of middle but long step in between. 
Yes, yes. <laughs> in, in answer to the question, the underwriting <laughs> yeah. is, is, is the middle, but uh, yeah, the long step, because there is a whole nother step that comes after yeah. in the loan life cycle, which is, you know, it's about client management and making sure that, you know, once we've lent the money that the client is doing what they, they intended to set out to do and the, the story that we were told happens and happens and it's plausible and it's realistic and it's all going to plan or sometimes in, on occasions it doesn't, you know, so there's the, the back end sort of collections part of the process as well and customer management. And is that someone where you guys step in as well? Do you kind of go back and reevaluate midway through a loan, look at its process or is that, yeah, is that someone else's? Um, yeah, so we do have a separate department that generally look after loans after completion. So what they'll do is they'll check in with the borrowers and make sure things are going to plan, that the, their exit is looking to materialize on time within the time frame of their loan. Um, so that is dealt with by uh, another department, but there are sort of crossovers because mm. what bridging is really good for is bridging a gap. So there's a reason that they take short-term funding before they go on to maybe long-term funding. That might be they're renovating a property. It might be that they're refurbing then going to let out a commercial property you know so recently for example one of our tenants uh, tenants one of our <laughs> clients um had finished off a property um after renovations and change of use for the planning permission and now they're looking to get a commercial tenant in so the building building becomes income producing so that then leads up to them refinancing their loan away um but obviously with the commercial lease we have to accept and agree to that because it can have effects on valuation. Is it the right amount of income for the property? Are they underletting it? They, so is it, are they letting it for less than what they should be? It can have an effect on the value of the property. And if it's a commercial lease, it could be long-term. Yeah. So it could be a 20 year contract for, you know, not the right amount of rent. Um, if that's the case, then, you know, we have to get that, get back in touch with our surveyors and ask for their professional opinion. And we have to review the lease and we bring our solicitors back involved. So there is an element of underwriting to sometimes into the back end, but you know, sometimes not when it's, they've taken the loan, done what they need to do, sell yeah. the property. It doesn't really come through to us. Cool. And I heard rumors you guys sit on the phone to each other all the time, all day since you've been working from home. Is that true? <laughs> How does that work? Um, <laughs> Well, I'll, I'll start this off. Um, EJ is obviously quite new and we've just been allowed out of lockdown. I think we're, you know, uh, we've just been allowed out to slowly mingle into society again. So I had to train him remotely, whereas we couldn't gather at the time. Um, so the best way of doing that is, is using the technology. So we video calls on conversations through, you know, things like similar to Skype, Zoom, that sort of stuff. Yeah. And, you know, I think what we've done is pretty impressive. It, it, it yeah, works, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's not as good yeah. as being face to face, you know, you can't replace that. But actually I think, you know, we've, we, we have to spend that time on it, on, on a call yeah. to each other as if we were sat in an office next to each other. So yeah. if a question comes up, you know, he can just, Oh, let me just ask you, you know, yeah. it's, so we yeah. do spend six, six odd hours a day yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just sitting on a muted call and if that was they need us they shout yeah. what was the longest call you've had with Danny EJ <laughs> I mean sometimes we like from half nine to like five thirty, six o'clock we've just been on that call um, <laughs> and like Danny said it's great because sometimes we're mute because we're doing other things or we might be speaking to somebody else on the other line um, but it's just great to know actually whilst we're not physically next to each other 
um, we kind of still are next to each other and we can bounce ideas off each other and I can ask questions and Danny can give me the answers or Danny can refer me to where I can get the answers from, um, et cetera, et cetera. And like Danny said, it's been great to be honest with you from a training point of view. Um, I did wonder how the training element of things would work when I was first starting in my head, I was thinking, oh gosh, how is this actually going to work? You know, um, we're not going to be together. And to be honest with you, after day one, day two, I was like, wow, this actually works really well, if I'm being honest. So um, I can't lie, I was winging it the whole time. <laughs> I would never have known. I really wouldn't have known. Um, so yeah, no, it's great. Um, well, unprecedented times, you know, this is the saying of the year, isn't it? I guess um, you'll miss each other when life's back to normal, you've got to sit next to each other. Um, no, I mean, I'll still put my headset on and dial him and <laughs> call me him, next don't, door. Don't look at me, just talk, <laughs> talk into the phone. Yeah, it's 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 strange actually seeing people in the flesh for a while like after such a long time of seeing them in that little window on a call, you know. It's uh but I think I think what we what we've managed to do and how adaptive everyone's been, I think it's it's worked out really well. Yeah. You know, it's it yeah. show it goes to show yeah. that and everybody out there as well is it goes to show that oh, working from home can work. You know, yeah, everybody definitely. was very anti that pre this yeah. and now we all had to do it. Yeah. And I think it, it's gone, gone to prove to a lot of people that were probably like, oh, people won't work, mm. that it does work. And yeah. you can train from a standing start yeah. whilst never being in the same room. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty incredible nowadays. That we and now you're that. in the same room, what do you think of each other? <laughs> do you, <laughs> you don't need to ask that. <laughs> I guess we'll move on to question number five. <laughs> so question number five, how many... Ooh, Question number five, do underwriters deny loans very often? Go on, easy. I think you can say this one. <laughs> um, I don't really think it's a case of denying a loan or really accepting a loan. I don't, I mean, I personally don't look at it from that angle. Um, like I mentioned earlier, it's just a case of actually what's right for us as a business and what's right for a client. I can give you an example that like Danny said bridging is it, it's short term lending. So what could seem right client might think I need this right now. And it could be a case of actually, yes, you need this right now. We can do it right now. But ultimately, what's your exit? Your exit is just not viable. And if we do this right now, it could end up, you know, putting you in a detrimental you know, position. So in situations like that, the best thing to do is essentially is a decline, but it's doing what's best for the client, doing what's best for the business. Um, I haven't come across many scenarios where I've I've had to turn around and say, no, I'm really sorry, we can't do this. Um, there could be various reasons. Sometimes it could be things like the figures just don't tally up. For example, a valuation might come in lower. What you might think your property is worth as against what it's actually worth, not just on a surveyor's opinion, but based on comparables, what's on the market, what's sold, et cetera, et cetera, um, could be wildly different. It might be something comes up at the legal stage. Sometimes people just aren't aware of certain things. I don't expect anyone to go and check the title register and their property day in, day out to, to make sure, look at the information there. So there could be various things, but what I would say is um, a great thing about TAB is we're always looking for solutions to be perfectly honest with you. So we'll exhaust all avenues to make sure we are helping our clients. Um, and if it's not possible, then, you know, 
will we'll say it's not possible, point them in the right direction if possible. Um, and if we meet down the line at some stage when we can help them, then we'll do that. But to be honest with you, yeah, that, that's how I look at it, Danny. Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. I think the percentage of loans that get declined is, is not is not huge. You know, we are always forward thinking, looking for solutions rather than, you know, this doesn't work. And being a bridging lender, um, we we try to be as flexible as possible with these risks because because we expect the weird and wonderful. Because if it was straightforward, they would go down the residential mortgage market yeah. route, or they would have a buy to let mortgage anyway. Yeah. So we expect quirkiness, and we are adaptive to that. It's it, and there are a number of different reasons why a case could be declined. You know, but we. We are always looking to be as flexible as possible to try and accommodate. But there are occasions where something is too risky or there are too many small risks that collectively add up to a greater risk profile than we're willing to accept because there are numerous things which are unquantifiable, uncertain, that mm. we can't you know, get 100% comfortable with or you know, that we can't verify. Um, because a lot of the time, you know, we're being told the story by the client. Quantifying a story is very difficult yeah. because it's not something that you have a legal document for. It's yeah. just, this is my plan. And we have to trust sometimes that the plan is going to come, come to. So it can be a very difficult task to, to understand it. But we go to great lengths to try and fully immerse ourselves in that story and understand if, if it's plausible. We'll speak to borrowers directly. We'll yeah. get the the information straight from them we're not always reliant on third parties or introducers to provide information so yeah it's uh it, it's a rarity and it's it's not something we like to do very often but yeah. inevitably yes it does have to happen that not every loan is right for us yeah yeah what i would add to that as well is i'd always say first step to avoid being in a situation where we can't be of assistance is just just be honest be open be transparent give us all the information. Some people will sometimes think too much information, but to be fair, the more we know, um, the better you can save yourself a lot of time. And to be fair, you can save yourself a lot of money if we have all the information and we can do our jobs far more effectively. Um, and, you know, we can save everybody time if it's a case of actually, yeah, do you know what, on the basis of what you're saying, on the basis of what we can see, we can go ahead and do this, great. Or it might just be actually, do you know what? Because of X, Y, Z, we can't do it. And in situations like that, you save yourself time, you save yourself money as well. So yeah, like just just be open, be transparent. Yeah, information is important, and yeah. uh, I think that goes goes as far as to say if you're gonna if you're looking and you're going to looking at a loan and saying this isn't right for us. I think the, the, the best way to, to say that is that either you speak to your client or you speak to your introducer or broker who's introduced you the deal and you tell them exactly what our perspective is. So you yeah. explain to them every risk that we're looking at and why we can't get comfortable. And I think sometimes rather than the lender says no, the you know, the unapproachable underwriter approach, which some people tend to have that they can't get hold of an underwriter, you've only got your salesperson to relay a message. You know, I will call a broker personally and explain to them exactly what my issues are with a case. And, you know, 95% of the time they come away going, thank you, you know, I, I appreciate yeah. that and yeah. I can see exactly where you're coming from. So it's, uh, although it, rejection is inevitable sometimes, it's 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 about how you conduct it as well and how you deliver it um, to make sure that everybody understands because just saying no just isn't good enough for a lot of people to accept, <laughs> you know, because there is money on the table at this time. 
And that's why Danny has been nominated a finalist for Underwriter of the Year. That's right. Woohoo! He's the man. Huge news. Because yes. <laughs> well, I know how to reject a case. A <laughs> <laughs> um, couple of last ones before we wrap things up. But how did you guys get into underwriting? Um, we'll start with Danny. Um, probably like most people sort of fell into this industry, really. Um, uh, going back to the start of my career, I suppose, was I was working on a customer service desk for a payday lender. Um, not my finest hour, um, but you know, it was it was a means. Uh, it was a job at the time. I had a mortgage thing and other half to support, so uh, went into a, a payday lender and they set up a um, a secondary company within the business, which was uh, second charge mortgage lending. Um, and they recruited me out of the team, um, I guess because I must have been doing all right. Mm-hmm. Um, they recruited me from that team and said, we want you to come work for this new company. So I was a bit hesitant at first, um, but you know, with fantastic support um, at the time of the, the manager, he you know, trained me up completely in how to review a case, how to underwrite a, a second charge mortgage. Um, and yeah, I went from strength to strength in that business as it grew and we sort of grew it from the ground up, which was good. So I got to see different aspects as this business grew. There was, you know, there was dealing with the money, there was dealing with the collections, there was all of the things we discussed previously that, um, you know, I got I got a hand in, which really helped me excel my experience and understanding of everything. Um, and from there, um, I was there for several years, um, and by the time I left that that business, I was the office manager, looking after the general sort of running, I suppose, of the company, um, with the underwritings, collections, everything like that. Um, I left there and uh, decided to go into bridging. So from there, I learnt, uh, started in sales. So mm-hmm. it, my initial point was um, just reviewing cases that came in from uh, the BDMs and issuing out sets of terms so do we like this deal does it fit within criteria yes no then issue a set of terms um and uh from that point uh i joined up and we went through uh, some of the sales stuff and then up to underwriting from there and yeah i've been underwriting with tab for a while now great ej um i mean my banking's predominantly finance so i started off retail banking and then from there went into the debt management side of things. Also did a bit of recruiting for investment banks. Um, and then I went to work for a brokerage. And I think that for me was when I really started thinking about the underwriting process in general in more detail. Um, I just wanted to know who are these people that keep telling me yay or nay? <laughs> and who are these people that take so long to come back to me? And it made me think, I want to know what they do. Um, I mean, I made some friends with some people from different companies and you kind of learn a bit more about what they do and how they think and how they, you know, really just look at things from different angles. Um, And it just made me become a lot more, you know, inquisitive and I really wanted to get into underwriting. So opportunity presented itself um, and then I did it and then, you know, the opportunity presented itself to come to TAB. And I thought to myself, actually, do you know what? Yeah, this 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 seems like it's uh, it's the gravy for me, <laughs> you know? Um, from, what, from what I could see, I liked, you know, the way things were looked at. And yeah, I'm, I'm here now and, and so far so good. Just to add to that, um, obviously you're, you're relatively new to TAB. So 
how does tab compare to some of your previous underwriting experiences and from what you learned being a broker and previously an underwriter um how do we compare how are we doing if i'm being perfectly honest with you um i don't just say it because i work for tab but uh for me i think the tab way of underwriting is actually brilliant it's it's transparent it's fully transparent um it's it's open so at all times we're accessible i think i found in in a lot of other places you can't speak to an underwriter it's just literally computer says no you know there, there's a wall between you and that underwriter whereas you might want to go directly to an underwriter and find out okay well why have you done this or you want to speak to them and have that conversation because sometimes it's not everything you're going to understand from putting notes in the system or sending an email sometimes you have that conversation and in tab um we are accessible you know brokers or clients can pick up the phone and have the conversation with us um the way we look at things the way we analyze things as well we use real world things i mean <laughs> that's that's the reality of it um there's no real special formula to it so i think the underwriting process here is is really great um from my previous places of underwriting i'd also say um we do look at things in depth uh, which is really great. I think if you, you're someone who has a really inquisitive mind, then, you know, look into underwriting and if an opportunity ever came about in TAB, then TAB's the place for you because you can dig deeper into things, get a better understanding of things. And naturally that only increases your knowledge as an underwriter, which would just keep you in good stead. So yeah, it's great, it's great. Final question. If MI5 got in touch, do you think you'd be a good spy? <laughs> No. <laughs> Investigator, I should say. Then. Slightly different skill set. Yeah, I, I never really thought of myself as Bond. Um, <laughs> Maybe but... I should say investigate. Do not spies investigate? Uh, yeah, I guess, yeah, but they have cool gadgets and stuff, which we don't have. Oh, I mean, we, we can get gadgets. you some gadgets. Oh, okay. Then we'll the throw it on the marketing budget. It's fine. Who are we spying on? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think you've got to have a certain mindset to be an underwriter. Yeah. Um, I think the best underwriters are people people, uh, if that makes any sense. They're people that, like, I've had a crossover with sales versus underwriting, and I think being able to deal with people and, uh, that, and that sales kind of approach where you've, you've worked in that customer service role or that sales role before, but you have that inquisitive mind because attention to detail is obviously key, yeah. um, making sure that we're seeing everything that's in front of us. And sometimes some of the stuff that's not in front of us, it's, it's about piecing pictures of mm -hmm. pieces of the puzzle together yeah. to get a broader picture that isn't actually there. Yeah. You're reading between the lines in some cases to try and understand what's going on. And then that can lead to more questions and you can yeah. be amazed what things you, you can start finding out when you start probing into things. And yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an inquisitive mind, but the, I think having a good balance between the two of being a people person and able to deal with your broker and explain things to them effectively, um, whilst being able to, you know, Nancy. obviously get into the, the, the deep stuff and have that attention to detail, I think makes the best, uh, the best sort of person for the job. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So MI5, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> That's underwriting 101 with TAP. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. Thanks all for watching. Make sure you like, share, subscribe. And if you've got anything you want us to answer, leave it in the comments. We'll pick it up next time.